I'm Stephanie. And I'm Rachel. And this is Neurodivergent Voices, the podcast amplifying the voices and lived experience of the neurodivergent community. We're licensed occupational therapists who specialize in the brain and are neurodivergent ourselves. Join us every so often in this podcast that is for you and by you, the neurodivergent community. If you're interested in learning more about neurodiversity and joining a vibrant community of neuroinclusive adults, head to our website, divergecommunity.com. Interested in an interview? Email divergecs at gmail.com to get it scheduled. Let's get to it. In this episode, we interviewed Stephanie's good friend, Bree. And let me tell you, this is a good one you're going to want to sit down for. You're going to need to get your popcorn, get your cozy socks on, because we talk about all the good things like self-exploration and making accommodations as a late-realized neurodivergent person, being perceived, and working within your capacity. So snuggle on up. Here we go. Hello, everyone. I want to just... We just smiled as if anyone could hear that. (laughs) Hello. Hello. Hello, <laughs> listeners. Um, in true fashion, we never said we'd be having a schedule, so we're coming at this a couple weeks later. Yeah. It's actually New Year's Day, so happy 2024. Woo! And hopefully we post this in 2024. <laughs> That's the goal. I'm, I think we'll be able to do it tonight. It's either tonight or it's not happening for now months. Now or never. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. yeah. Um, I wanted to... Get some new perspectives in on the podcast, so I brought my friend, Bree. Hi. <laughs> I'm Bree. <laughs> Do you want to kind of give a brief introduction, like, of how we know each other and why you're here? Yeah. So, Steph and I were roommates, and they were roommates. roommates. <laughs> um, Steph and I were roommates in college um, for our freshman year. We actually, we did the little quiz thing that they give you and Uh we ended up getting paired up and it worked out amazingly stephanie is obviously a wonderful person Uh Uh, but i was really excited to hear that they were starting this business and trying to bring to light more neurodivergent voices which is why i'm here because i hope to provide some perspectives for people who are maybe questioning or haven't gone through the formal process of getting a diagnosis because that is where i am at Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you want we we haven't always done this, but I also like to give kind of a visual description for people that are just listening auditorily. Mm -hmm. Um, So do you want to give kind of like what you're wearing, what you kind of look like? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. So I am about like five five. I have curly, long, dark blonde, light brown hair. I think historically I've called it dirty dishwater, but that doesn't really. not the best description maybe it is um i've got blue eyes i've got a nice little gold septum ring on um Mm -hmm. my new frames i got a couple months ago that match my jacket they're both like a maroony red um my coat is thrifted it's suede it's very nice deep Mm -hmm. color um green shirt crop top uh smokey says keep it green if you know you know and some hollister baggy pants and socks that don't irritate me when i wear them mm, i love that mm-hmm. wait i think there's one more thing you need to come oh is yeah. it my hat i'm yeah. sorry i forgot about my hat um gray hat that has little teddy style ears yeah. i want to say have no idea where i well i know where i got it somebody left it at my house and i wasn't able to find out who so it's mine and i've had it for years i love it it's my favorite do you want to say what you're wearing, Rachel? Oh, yeah. So I am here with my classic hair up in a clip look. It's the only thing I wear these days because overstimulation is real. I'm in a green checkered crop top, like, sheen. What do you call it? It's like a sateen. Yeah. A sateen shirt that Stephanie gave to me, which is how I get most of my clothes. Um, she ordered it online and didn't fit or didn't need it, and here I go. Mm-hmm. And then I'm wearing my thrifted jeans with a naturally occurring Ooh. knee rip. Squatted down one too many times, I guess. <laughs> and I'm wearing my fun little, like, squiggly earrings, which I now realize look like a little gingerbread man. Mm-hmm. And now that I've seen that, I can't unsee it. So I'm wearing gingerbread earrings and a little gold 
chain necklace. Mm. Um, I'm wearing my flannel for my wedding because it's comfy. Yeah, it is. Wait, wait, wait. Can you show them what's on the back? Oh, yeah. It does. It says uh, bride on the back. Oh, it's been Lord. several years, mm-hmm. like six years plus. Um, <laughs> and Rachel found it in my closet today. And it's what fits currently because um, I'm changing weight and sizes because I'm pregnant. Oh, shit, so. shit. She just <laughs> dropped it like that. Okay. Yeah. So. Yeah. Diverge is growing, baby. Diverge, baby. <laughs> yeah, but nothing fits. So flannel from the wedding. <laughs> and baggy, um, just like baggy blackish, black grayish jeans. Are those chinos? Would you call those a chino? I don't know what a chino is. They're pants. <laughs> that's the extent of what we know. Yeah. Um, that's about it. And then my um, bombas because I love the arch support. And, like, just that little bit of hug-like feeling, that proprioception right here. Oof. Yeah. Yeah. I'm wearing gold toes. We all commented on our socks. So that's cool. What brand are yours, Brie? I don't know. They have a dollar sign on the back, though, so Ooh. that's kind of slay. Mm-hmm. Okay, ankle. Okay, so yours are, like, the ankle length. But they got the little bump in the back, <gasps> so my heel doesn't. Yeah, no. Oh, yeah. gosh, you guys. Yeah. Mine are, like, the tall ones that I wear because I hate. I don't know. I don't have any pants that actually fit me lengthwise. And so there's always that gap, yeah. which I think is a look, but it's also really cold. So I like mm-hmm. to wear tall socks, even though it, it's not doing anything for me fashion-wise. But yeah. I do not cool. like socks that come up, like, more than two inches. Yeah, my calves are too big. Mm. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Exactly. And the socks, they're, they're just not made for calves. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're not. <laughs> Sorry. Mm. All right. Agree to disagree. But, you know, <laughs> <laughs> we'll get more into that in the uh, speed round at the end, huh? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Ooh. Um, Rachel's phone blocked, so I don't have oh, the yeah. questions Sorry. on me exactly, Jeepers. but from what I briefly remember what we sent you to before, but also we kind of go rogue oh, gosh. in this stuff. I can't in be general. fully prepared, huh? It's okay. Um, what would you describe, like, yourself as on a daily basis? Like, what's your strengths? What do you like to do? Like, who are you? Who's Brie? Who are you? I don't know you, actually, so this is good. I mean, we've met briefly, Yeah. But. Okay, so a brief synopsis of myself and my life. <laughs> um, I'm 28 years old. I'm a Libra, if that matters mm. to you. If you don't have nice things to say, please don't say them to me. <laughs> um, I am the second born in a family of five children, which there's a pretty big age gap between the kids, which you don't think is relevant, but it really is to my life and my development. Um I am a homeowner. I've been in this house since November of 2017, so it's been a while. Um, I have a full-time job, like an office job. Um, I'm an office manager and an HR assistant, and I've been at this job for almost a year and a half now. Um, I'm in a similar field that I've always been in, which is like executive assisting office management. Mm-hmm. Um, I've worked in a couple of different areas, so this new one is is new to me. But previous to that, I was in you know real estate and and mortgages and stuff. But when I'm not working, I'm really just I'm trying to chill. That's the simplest <laughs> yeah. thing I can say. Um, I think right now I'm struggling with feeling like I'm headed towards you know a burnout area. So things are taking a lot out of me. So I'm really just trying to maintain some sort of status quo and comfortability in my day-to-day i'm a huge avid tv watcher movies i love consuming content um somewhat to a fault because it does take up a lot of time um and then the other big thing for me is is music as well Mm -hmm. um i'm listening to music constantly i have created music in the past when i was growing up more i've had experience in a couple different instruments but as of right now, I'm trying to get all my ducks in a row and get the courage to actually pursue some sort of production or DJing music making. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of what I've been focusing on these days. Um, oh, and one other big thing I've been getting into lately is my Switch. I'm very into my Switch right now. Ooh. I want cozy games. I know our vibe, but mm-hmm. um, some of them do have too much to do that it's not relaxing. So I'm right now easing into ones that are kind of in the in-between. But just trying to find stuff to be comfortable at home and kind of 
reset until mm-hmm. weather turns back around and things feel a little bit better. What's your kind of go-to switch game right now? Okay, so right now I'm really into, like, cozy-wise, the one I'm playing by myself is called um, Wildflowers. You're like a, a girl named Tara, and you go to live with your grandma Hazel, and you find out that she's a witch. And you also are a witch, and you're helping her around the farm. And, like, you know, I'm only, like, seven hours into it right now, I think. But, yeah, I'm just kind of doing a bunch of tasks and helping my grandma and learning out how to do hmm. spells. I love that. It's really cute. I'll, I'll, I'll send you the link later. It's very cute. Do you do, like, potions and stuff with it? Um, I just started that aspect. You have to, like, collect stuff. I had to make paper to write incantations on. I have to go fishing mm-hmm. to get squid to make ink to write the incantations. And I have to, like, make offerings to the cauld- cauldron, I think, mm-hmm. um, to maintain my magic bar. And it will be spent as I use it. And it's just kind mm-hmm. of a, a balance of doing a bunch of different tasks, which seems more manageable than doing that in my actual real life. <laughs> Fair. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. For kind of speaking of things that kind of drain us and <laughs> what might be a little bit more tricky at some mm-hmm. points, what's kind of your spoon drainers and spoon givers, I guess? Um, I know this is going to sound really annoying, but it's pretty much anything that I don't want to be doing. It takes a lot for me to get myself to do these things that I just don't want to be doing, even though I know I really should. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that, you know, self-care tasks is something that a lot of people struggle with for a lot of different reasons, but um, that's a big one for me. Um, You know, keeping up with things around the house, keeping up with my own self. Um, Grocery shopping is the bane of my existence. Mm. I hate it so much. I hate it so much. Um, I was trying to make accommodations for myself in that regard, and I'd make sure I had my headphones and stuff and try to go at specific times, but even that really wasn't cutting it for me, so I actually haven't been in the grocery store to get groceries in probably a couple months now. Um, mm-hmm. I order my groceries a lot and cooking has been a little bit hard too. So mm-hmm. I'm actually eating carry out a lot right now, which isn't the best thing, but at least I'm being fed, mm-hmm. which, you know, is, is really all I can ask for. Cause that is also a big struggle of mine, you know, trying to figure yeah. out what I want to eat, how I'm going to get it. And sometimes I'll spend so much time fixating on what I'm going to eat. If it's where am I going to get it? How am I going to get it? Like, is it going to be healthy enough? Do I even want to mm. eat it? And by the time I've done that for so long, I sometimes don't even pull the trigger and get anything. And I just yeah. eat sleep, which is not good. Don't do that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, pretty much. And, and it's a spectrum, too. You know, like, if I'm not doing well spoons-wise anyways, of course, these tasks are going to drain me regardless. Mm-hmm. But I know that it's becoming an issue for me because I'm not really enjoying the things that I would normally do. Like, for example, I'm, I'm really big into music and going out to dance and stuff. And the last couple of times I've tried to do that, I've either bought the ticket and just didn't go or I did go and I regretted going and left early or something like that. So I have to kind of figure out how to replenish the energy in the spoons. And that's something I'm, I'm kind of working on right now. Mm. Yeah. I just want to say that you are very well spoken and I just feel like I could listen to you talk about anything forever so maybe that needs to be like somehow wrapped into your repertoire of when you get the energy and courage to produce your own thing I think that's gonna be a big asset for you oh thank you that's actually very nice to hear because I do struggle to speak I, I struggle with being perceived sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like on one re- in, in one sense, I really like to hear how people see me, but on, mm-hmm. on the other hand, I don't. Yeah. But I, I do think that can do really well with words when I have the time to reflect on what I'm going to say. And I do really well in writing, but sometimes I struggle with speaking correctly. So yeah. thank you for saying that. I remember in college, you writing like beautiful papers mm-hmm. that you put like your heart and soul into. Thank you. I feel so far away from that though. Like mm-hmm. I'm trying to yeah. think about what it would be like for me to go back into that setting and I don't know if I could. And actually some more context is that I did drop out of school Valentine's Day of second semester of my first year. So I actually fully didn't complete it. But um, I think that I was pushing so hard to meet these expectations. I had stuff going on with myself. I had stuff going on with my family. I wasn't able to handle everything, and I had to take a step back, which ended up working out for me. Um, But that kind of 
comes to the point where at that at that time I wasn't having this realization of okay maybe I have some other things going on Mm -hmm. and there's a reason why I'm struggling to do x y and z Mm -hmm. um so with the knowledge that I have now or you know what I'm trying to figure out I I don't know if I could have that same success unless it was something I really wanted to do Mm -hmm. so Mm. yeah yeah it also like for social context I think there was a lot of social pressure put on you specifically for like classes and stuff you had a lot of admin staff saying like oh yeah we're gonna put her in the most hardest classes because she's one of the smartest Mm, yeah they literally were like yeah we're gonna fast track and they didn't tell me until after the fact like the second semester when I was going in they're like oh yeah we had you in like 17 credits and it was an honors course and like orgo and all these like pre-nursing classes didn't know I wasn't supposed to be taking that many and you know it obviously didn't go well so that really didn't help but in something that I'm trying to view in a positive lens around that is that, you know, mm-hmm. I know people who do have degrees and haven't been able to utilize them mm-hmm. or are still struggling to pay back, you know, the money that they had to take out to go to school. And without me being completely certain of what I want to do, I think it was the right choice for me to not continue to pursue that because I'm trying to imagine what in my life would be like if I had continued with my nursing degree and had to be a nurse through COVID and like mm-hmm. if I would have made it for real. Um, and I do have a very close friend um, who is a nurse who is also going through a very similar process that I am and kind of unmasking and figuring out that there's some neurodivergency here. Um, and to kind of see from her perspective what that process was like um, it was really really difficult and I don't know if I would have been strong enough to continue to do that after the fact and it would have landed me in another position where I didn't have a job and I was in debt and x y and z so mm-hmm. I'm happy with my decision I didn't feel very good about it at the time and things got very weird but it ended up mm-hmm. working out where I do have like a stable job stable career mm-hmm. I suppose um, and I'm doing pretty well in it um, and I'm able to make a living without having to deal with those specific debts so mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. win some lose some yeah. I appreciate you sharing that with us you've shared so many tidbits that I wish I had a better memory to keep track of them all because there's so many things I think are such relatable experiences that you brought up mm-hmm. that aren't things people always openly talk about yeah I am um, I'm like an overshared and I, I sometimes see that as a fault. Sometimes I feel regretful after the fact if I've said something and somebody didn't have the reaction I thought or if it just yeah. didn't seem well received or anything like that. But I, I'm i interested in having genuine connections with people and the people that are meant for me are going to see me for who I am and will want to hear these things and the people that don't like what I have to say are not meant to be my people and I don't Mm -hmm. like when I'm upsetting people or if they don't like me but at the end of the day um what's that going to get me other than being stressed about somebody who doesn't care yeah yeah so I think it's good to say your piece if you've got one um and obviously you know not everyone has to know everything but I'm just trying to fast track to genuine connections yeah, absolutely. and I want to help other people if this can help anybody get some perspective or feel like they're not alone or you know that's that's worth it for being mm-hmm. vulnerable we keep on talking about your strengths and kind of like bringing it to light on our end because we see a lot of strengths in you obviously but what do you think like for yourself what your strengths are or what like is the most thing that you like about yourself um I think a lot of these things are kind of like double-edged swords. It's bad things that can have good things come out of them, and it's mm. it's like duality of all things. Mm-hmm. So I'd say I'm a pretty good person for, like, planning. Like, if you are needing something to come together and you need somebody to think of all the things that could possibly go wrong, I'm your girl. Um, I could be very, very prepared, um, and that manifests in a lot of different ways, but just kind of – and that's, you know – thinking about how conversations could go and trying to have different talking points for whatever might come up or you know if we're going on a trip I have way too much packed I have overpacked because I'm trying to be over prepared um but that's you know it's rooted in anxiety which is something that I'm diagnosed with having um so you know dual-edged sword um the other thing I think that I do well um that I feel kind of prideful in is I guess I want to say caregiving Mm -hmm. Um, that started with 
with my family and having younger siblings. So the biggest gap in my siblings was 17 years. So my oldest sister is 33 and my youngest brother is 16, 15 or 16. Um, so I did a lot of child care for many years for my younger siblings and that kind of morphed and included my friends and even, you know, acquaintances, general strangers. I just try to do what I can to, to make sure that everyone's okay and comfortable. And that comes from being empathetic, um, which is a beautiful thing, but can also be very difficult because you feel everything so deeply, both good and bad. Mm. So I try to take that and, and focus on the good of it while still acknowledging the difficult parts because I don't think that um, toxic positivity is mm-hmm. a good thing either. Mm-hmm. True. Yeah. So very just trying true. to acknowledge both sides. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I appreciate the nuance in that. Oftentimes I get so like this or that I get really mm-hmm. caught in this like di- dichotomy or this black and white thinking so to hear you have a positive spin on anxiety is very refreshing to me <laughs> because that's always something I just put in the bucket of bad right mm-hmm. but I think you are right and there's more nuance than that yeah and it's hard to not try to look for in my experience to look for like bright spots in it because it's been something that's so ingrained into me like I've been I can I've been anxious since I can remember and I'm I've been in therapy pretty consistently with the same person for over nine years now um and you know I've been working on that it's something that I've gotten a lot better at but I don't know if my anxiety is ever something that's going to go away but I don't need to let it control my life and have it all be a negative thing but I know that it's hard to kind of push past it when the feelings that you feel about it are so negative because you Mm -hmm. know that you know they say anxiety is you worrying about stuff that hasn't happened yet but you know what if I could have been prepared so Mm -hmm. it's just about um handling the cards that you have in the best way that you can and and being patient with other people who might have different cards than you Mm -hmm. for context I know we've kind of I don't want to say beat around the bush for it but you've mentioned identifying a little bit as more neurodivergent or like this self-exploration that's kind of occurring yeah can you kind of go more into depth yeah so um I will start by saying that I'm not sure if I'm using this in the correct context but I feel like I'm somebody who suffers from imposter syndrome like I'm, I'm always afraid that even in my entire life with anxiety um, going through depression and suicidal ideation and all of that just feeling like somebody was going to look at me and tell me like no that's wrong you don't feel that way or that's like not what you're going through mm-hmm. so I think I had that was a part of the reason why it was such a long time coming for me to have the realizations that I've had but it's an accumulation of different things that kind of led me to the space that I'm at So I have multiple family members who are diagnosed um, as neurodivergent or, you know, different disorders that fall under that umbrella. Mm -hmm. So kind of being able to see through their lived experience and kind of have that perspective and then um, go through what I went through in college and start care with a therapist that I've been seeing for so many years that, you know, we've had discussions about potential things going on. Um, He's not one. He's um, he's an LSW. So he's not one that would provide a psyche eval or anything like that, but we've discussed about possibilities and we've walked through the DSM and looked at different criteria. Um, And then with that, kind of in my adult years, connecting with neurodivergent people and having discussions with them and them pointing out to me like, hey, I do that and you do that and I don't think it's as widespread as you think that it is and kind of having those realizations Um, because in my experience, neurodivergent people tend to naturally kind of flock to each other in a way, you know, real Mm -hmm. recognizes real, but um, (laughs) just kind of being drawn to the people that can understand what you're going through and that you can try to be your authentic self with. Um, But the, an accumulation of all those things at the same time that there's this big boom of neurodivergency discussions and mental health discussions specifically on the internet um social media instagram tiktok was a really really big one um there's just tons of videos um from a lot of different people but the ones that spoke out to me were people that were in my demographic you know people who are identify as women that are having this later in life diagnosis and talking about 
um, the signs and the symptoms that were pointed out to them in in their evaluations that they didn't realize were actual criteria. Um, I think I spent a lot of my life thinking I was just silly, quirky, particular, um, without really having any reason for those mm-hmm. things. So um, all of those together kind of led me on a road to realize, okay, this is something that's actually a possibility and kind of diving into it. Um, the big thing that's a struggle for me is kind of differentiating between where one thing starts and another one does. Mm-hmm. I think there's a good amount of overlap in some of the criterias as well. Um, so I, I mentioned earlier that I am diagnosed with anxiety um, and depression there's also an eating disorder in there too, if that's relevant. But the things that I've been in discussion with with my therapist was um, autism, ADHD, and OCD. So it can be intimidating to have so many different things brought up as a possibility um, to try to differentiate between you know what is what. But the main thing I'm trying to figure out now is if I want to take the steps to get a formal evaluation and a formal diagnosis. Mm-hmm. At this point, I'm trying to make accommodations for myself um, as best I can, you know, reasonably. And I just have to figure out if it is, you know, what it would change for me to go through the process. If it's mm-hmm. if I'm looking for more um, like self-validation that like, yes, another a medical professional agrees with me and what I feel like I'm going through because um, I don't know you know, what the formal diagnosis could change accommodation wise, like in my workplace, or if I would even pursue something like that. Um, But I think that, you know, you know yourself, and, and you you should be able to draw these conclusions reasonably. um, If you don't have the official channels um, accessible to you. I think both are very valid, um, both are important, but I don't want one to be overshadowed by the other, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Sorry, that was very long-winded. No, but... <laughs> no, that was perfect. <laughs> I'm, I'm just sitting here taking in what you're saying, but also like being very envious of, like, man, I wish I could communicate that the way she did. <laughs> mm-hmm. At being in like such a, it sounds like we're in a, such a similar place. And hearing others talk about it helps you identify and, and process things within yourself, too. Mm-hmm. So just very appreciative of you sharing that. And I, I think what you said at the end there is really resonating with me. It's like, hey, I'm accommodating myself one way or the other. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know specifically if there's a diagnosis, if that's necessary, what the diagnosis is. There just is so much overlap. But what I do know is I know me and I know what I need and I'm figuring out how to met, you know best make that need and I, I feel like that's mm-hmm. that's kind of like diverged at its core too is we're just ha- trying to help people better understand themselves and you know embrace their differences as a way of you know improving their lives and mm-hmm. society in general yeah and like for some people it's good to they want the labels but for other people it's not necessarily a necessity by any means and frankly Mm -hmm. even with a label I feel like sometimes you get stuck in that label Mm -hmm. even for like treatment wise we recently had a talk with a social worker friend asking for like sensory strategies how we would go about it for treatment for sensory strategies we talk about even when you do Oh no. Okay, quick pause. <laughs> the camera died. Okay. <laughs> you were talking about sensory strategies. Sensory strategies with the social work friend. Is yeah. the camera is the mic still going? Yeah, mic's going. Mm-hmm. You're just I don't yours is so much squishier than mine. I'm just watching you. Or unless you're like pushing it, really hard, you might be, but yours wait, feel mine better. Oh no, yours is hard. Is that like a new one? Oh, do you want to switch? No, it's okay. This is my real one. <laughs> I can't steal Stephanie's I would, baby. I would, no, I'd yell at you. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> she don't like this. I'm okay with a little bit more firm, but that is like, that's almost sensual. Oh, <laughs> you bite know? it so badly. You want to bite it? I want to bite too. it so badly. You but should I get won't. your own and then, well, see, here's what, I don't know. Will it like ooze out if you bite into it and puncture it? I see. it? I 
Let's not do that. That sounds poisonous. Well, you know, you know. Maybe I'll wrong. cut one in half and just see <gasps> what it's like. Yeah, that'll be a good science experiment. Really I'm, I'm more down with that than putting it by your No, mouth. I don't want to put it in my mouth real. I just... Oh, texture looks... I know. It does look delicious. Do you like a lot of gummy foods? Yeah. Me too. Yeah. I oh, know. Oh, speaking of which, do you know about his little snack his secret door. stash? Mm-hmm. Is there any gummy foods there? Hold on. <laughs> Before I start. I added some stuff to it, so I feel like... Oh, oh, open those. Yeah, but these stuff. Yeah, those are the best. They're the best. They're just the best. I think you can have those because Danny doesn't like that either. All right. So many toys. They always have a secret stash of gummy bears in my car, like my emergency gummies. Right. They get cold in the winter, though, being in the car. They do. They do. That is a problem. These ones, not so much. Oh, there it is. I'm on my putty still. Sorry. Still not over break yet. Is it recording? It is recording uh-huh. now, but that's fine. Mm-hmm. I think it's recording. I said record. Yeah, it's recording. The red button? Yep. All right, let me just take like three of these out of the bag so I'm not like making that horrible sound. Okay. I took seven. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Camera died. Sorry. For, we were talking about sensory strategies yeah sensory strategies specifically talking with a recent social worker about what we do as occupational therapists and kind of what's the context of how we would almost treat per se um (laughs) almost (laughs) almost you know like that's our job or something uh but in that context with different assessments that you take and stuff how a lot of times I hate giving the assessments like I like it for the context of things but knowing that each individual just even on a daily basis at one point you know this shirt can be fine and then a couple minutes later I'm going to be ripping it off because I'm starting to have a sensory overload Mm -hmm. because of it so you don't know the context of the person and I hate when people even for their own needs start to label themselves too much into a category like oh I'm a sensory seeker or I'm a sensory avoider and this that and the other which it's good to know for like extreme wise and preferences and stuff Mm -hmm. but at some points it's also not great to have a label where you're going to almost hinder yourself right in not being able to provide yourself the appropriate accommodations that you need in that moment. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's kind of like painting yourself into a box in a certain Mm -hmm. respect. But And like you said, like some people really do seek having those diagnoses Mm -hmm. and actually need that structure. And Mm -hmm. I definitely understand that. And I actually, I tried to go and call a couple places to get an evaluation when I was having like a really tough time. It was, it was a really tough time with work and I was actually trying to think about, okay, well maybe I have options here for some sort of accommodation or just having a diagnosis that I feel like I could go to um, like people at my work and explain like this is what I have going on and I have like this medical professional that's behind me backing me up that yes this is a legitimate struggle that I have and it will affect me in these ways. Um, It just feels like if you were to go and do that without having that that you know they won't have they won't maybe listen or be receptive to that and um that's not really like an issue my problem but not everyone is at the same level of understanding that Mm -hmm. I am at Mm -hmm. um so I did actually try to get a couple of appointments made but I couldn't get anyone to call me back yeah and Mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of people that are trying this was I don't know maybe like a year ago between a year and six months ago um, I think with COVID and everyone being at home and then trying to like reassimilate back into mm-hmm. the public after that, that a lot of people were having these realizations about themselves and also having the same thought process I did of having to get an evaluation. So I know in general that the, you know, medical world um, has been really stretched quite thin with the pandemic and the aftermath and hasn't really necessarily fully recovered. Um, so I haven't re-pursued that because at this point it's become kind of a demand because yeah. I already tried and it didn't really work. Mm-hmm. So now it's going to take, you know, double the amount of effort on my end to get myself to do it again. Cause that's just how my brain works. Mm-hmm. But, um, maybe I'll get there, but I, I just haven't right. fully decided yet. 
I'm so glad that we're having this conversation and that you brought that up. Um, because I think it's, well, one, it's not something we've talked about in the show before. Um, and I think it's a super relevant conversation. Um, and one that you hear a lot of talk about online within the medical community and everyone has their very uh, firm, distinct views and opinions on it. And so I think it's just kind of interesting to explore it and to explore what your take and experience has been on it versus others. And um, like I'm in a very similar boat where in the last year I have a clinical diagnosis of OCD and anxiety but like the autism and ADHD have been self-realized and I have been on a wait list for like a neuropsych eval for like a year, right? And in that time of me sitting on this wait list, I've had these same thoughts of like, what, what value is this adding to my life? And personally, like the fear of being invalidated mm -hmm. or the fear of being unintentionally like gaslit or traumatized, not saying that that's going to be the experience. That's my anxiety speaking. I recognize that, but that is almost debilitating to me. So I'm like, at this point, like, I feel like I've already been misguided so much in the past and previous experiences that I'm a little bit nervous of that happening again. Mm -hmm. And I've come to this place where I'm like, okay, I have found peace and I've found like a community that is supportive and ways to accommodate my needs that I'm like, I don't know that it's going to add value to my life anymore. And that's, I think the, the anxiety surrounding the like medical professionals is not uncommon. It's something that I'm greatly struggling mm -hmm. with in the same way. You don't want somebody to come and tell you that, no, your lived experience is wrong yeah. and you, this is not what you have going on. You just, you're just bad at life. You just mm -hmm. don't, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. There, there doesn't have to be a reason, and and I think that that's a very scary mountain to climb, and risk versus reward. You know, is it worth going through all of that to get the diagnosis? And that's something that's up to the individual. Mm -hmm. I know that, um, you know, when when people are younger and they're still in school, that there's more yeah. value to having the diagnosis to be able to have the accommodations that can help with that. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, once you're established and have these things going on have been going on for so many years in one way you just have to make that analysis for yourself and I don't know what happens if you go and you get an evaluation and it doesn't go the way that you intend if you can just go get another one it's just a lot that is un unknown and unfamiliar and I and I don't have the bandwidth at this time to really yeah. dive into it but yeah just just trying to focus on the things that I I can control um, and leaning on the people around me who understand what I've got going on and can give me the extra reassurance I'm looking for, can give me the extra support that I that I require, um, and maybe even being able to anticipate that to some degree when even I'm not realizing that it's becoming a problem. Mm -hmm. Like I can have people that notice that like I'm struggling before I really realize, okay, I'm actually reaching a burnout. Like it's yeah. it's becoming mm -hmm. a thing. So it's really nice to have that sort of community around you. And, and like I said, I think neurodivergent people naturally flock to each other because there's this energy, this understanding um, that we don't necessarily share with neurotypical people. Mm -hmm. It is, it's a, it's, it's, it can be seen in a bad light to have a neurodivergency in and of itself, depending on the person, but there's still a beautiful community surrounding that, that like there are, there are benefits in a way. There are people that have extraordinary gifts, you know, like it's, it's positives and negatives on both sides and just trying to make the best of, of what you've got going on and just trying to make yourself the most comfortable and happy version that you can be. Mm. It's beautiful. <laughs> I'm always jealous of, like, Rachel's already talked about this for you, but, like, how well you put stuff into words. <laughs> no, I'm genuinely shocked. <laughs> Because I'm like sitting here, like, I feel like I'm not, like, I feel like I'm, am I making sense? But it oh, seems really? like it's, being, oh, yeah. Talking, talking, like, I'm so worried about the interactions that I can't focus on the interactions as they're happening. Mm -hmm. um, especially when I'm meeting people, I'm like, don't screw it up, don't screw it up. Mm -hmm. Like, oh my God, what is my name again? That I, they already told me their name and I don't even, I wasn't even listening and I'm telling myself, you know, look into their eyes, okay, look away, I'm mm -hmm. look back now. There's just so much coaching that has to go, like internal coaching for mm -hmm. these um, interactions. And even at work when I'm trying to like lead meetings, I just, I stumble over my words, I get so nervous because I 
I just think I'm going to mess it up. Mm. So it's, I'm very highly critical of myself. Um, and that's been a thing for a while. I'm trying to, to be more kind and, um, that's something that will come with more time I'm hoping but it's it's improving but it's all a process and it's not ever you know linear and there's going to be ups and downs in anything that you're trying to do and things that are worthwhile don't always come easily so there's just unfortunately in life there's just stuff that's going to be uncomfortable Mm -hmm. and that's even more so if you've got more sensitivities than other people but it's just you know acknowledge that and and do what you can even if it's not fair even if it's not what you want to do it's just kind of accepting what is and saying okay well what are we gonna do about it Mm. what are we gonna do with it I love that you kind of shared the contrast between like the internal workings versus like what we're perceiving and I also love that you brought up earlier this idea of like oh gosh I, it makes me uncomfortable to like be perceived right usually mm-hmm. um, and I think that's something that a lot of folks in the neurodivergent community experience um, and I know personally I just like found the term for that like a couple months ago I'm like oh it makes so much sense because it's not this concept of like being perceived goes far beyond like being judged it's it, it's even more basic than that it's just like can you describe, I know I'm throwing this curveball at you, but like, can you describe what you mean by like feeling perceived and what that's like? Mm. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think that it's related to confidence, definitely. Um, self-esteem, I, mine is historically very low. Again, something that I've been working on for a long time, but you know, there is a big part of fear of judgment. Um, I think that growing up, I, you know, my parents are telling me things are acceptable and not acceptable socially. Um, Hearing, you know, being in school and seeing how other people talk about other people and just seeing, you know, how fake they can be or Mm -hmm. just like kind of just mean. have learning all of these, you know, unspoken rules of society. It's just the way that it is. I think I'm, I spent so much time trying to understand and, and follow all that, that it carries beyond. And it kind of goes to other people too, where I really struggle with like secondhand embarrassment. So I think Mm. people perceiving me is just a a reminder that I'm being observed and people are forming, you know, memories and thoughts about me, um, which is hard when I feel like I have a hard time categorizing and understanding mm. myself. But there's also times when I really do like to hear how people, because it's, you know, how am I coming off? I feel like a little bit of a chameleon and, you know, it, I worry that sometimes interactions can be disingenuous because I, I morph so much and try to reflect the people that I'm interacting with. But that's mm-hmm. just how I learned mm-hmm. to interact with people and keep the peace with everyone so I wonder if that's at play as well where I get nervous that people all have um different versions of me which I think is same for a lot of people but I really really don't do well with um being misunderstood Mm. so Mm -hmm. I think that part of it is like I like to hear these things when it's you know um reassurance and it's nice things and just being like okay yeah you're being perceived well but sometimes it's just uncomfortable um especially when you're not coming off the way that you thought um but it's all i think deeply related to how i relate to society around me and just interactions with people it just doesn't come naturally it's something i have to work pretty hard on um so i think that's where the anxiety comes from but it's you know good friends of mine telling me things about me i really love that but Mm -hmm. strangers it's just uncomfortable and it's and it's when it's a positive thing too if you don't have the self-confidence to just say like okay thank you so much for the compliment and having feel like oh no that's not true or trying to turn it back and give a compliment back just working on you know just being thankful and um appreciative of people being genuine and it's I don't know if that's something that's going to be forever but um I don't know that's those are a couple different perspectives I can see on it yeah I love that and and this idea of like fear of being misunderstood I think Mm -hmm. is so deeply rooted and kind of a source of 
like trauma for so many neurodivergent folks that it's almost like we assume that's what's going to happen and we're anticipating that, right? And so any time we are being perceived, there's that underlying fear of misunderstanding. Mm-hmm. And there's that added layer of like demand placement, like being perceived, having people like form thoughts and opinions of you or giving you feedback in a way is like, is asking things of you, right? Yeah, providing expectations. Providing expectations. Yeah. So we think of demands as like, you know, direct ass on us, but oftentimes it's these like implicit ideas that we feel like now we have to uphold mm-hmm. or now we have to repeat or like what did I really do in that moment? What what specifically about that did they like? Right? We're analyzing it. How mm-hmm. we <laughs> Yeah. Um I think that the fear of judgment is something that holds a lot of people back um, and I don't know if there's a way for me to unlearn what I've learned about how society works and what people will think of you Mm -hmm. and all that sort of thing or um, if it's just something that doesn't go away but I have to learn how to actively combat but I do think it's pretty widespread um, and I you know, if anybody has any tips and solutions on that, mm-hmm. let me know. But, um, yeah, having to be really um, specific and intentional with your communications with people mm. can be really exhausting. And and it's, like, to that point where, you know, some things that I love to do can sometimes become exhausting, and that, that has to do sometimes with people, relationships that I have. Mm-hmm. People have expectations about you you know, just because you, just because I could do something six months ago doesn't mean I have the capacity yes. to do it today. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's hard to explain that, especially when people don't have an understanding about how these things can affect one's energy levels. And um, I spend a lot of time doing stuff I don't want to do. And this is, I feel like this is going to sound like mean and this is not how I want it to come off at all, but I spend a lot of time doing a lot of stuff for people that I don't necessarily want to be doing, but I love them and I want to help them. And that's, um, it's the right thing to do, but people don't like when when that aspect changes, and and you're kind mm-hmm. of having to go against everything in your body telling you that you don't want to be there, and it's it's yeah. really mm-hmm. it's really hard, and to have to have that conversation later when it does actually catch up to you because it almost always will if you don't actually truly find the time to recharge and mm-hmm. and reset, um, just having to. To redefine boundaries with people, um, it can be really uncomfortable because it feels like you're letting them down or they think that you're changed or you're bad when really you were just overexerting yourself to a maximum degree to try to meet all of these criteria and it's just not sustainable to be doing that long term. It's not often I'm speechless, but I'm just like, (laughs) it's just such a weird phenomenon, like hearing so many things that I've never verbalized, but felt and thought coming out of your mouth is just like, Mm -hmm. it's very, and I hope other people experience some of that too, through your interview. Um, Fun fact, I know this is kind of a perceiving (laughs) thing, but this is like often our conversations, even if it's about like musical theater Mm -hmm. and stuff. It's always still like this, the stuff that you come up, <laughs> up with and like the intellectual behind it is just. <sighs> well, and this is why small talk is, is in my humble opinion, shit. Mm-hmm. And this is what it's all about. Mm-hmm. You know, it's about mm-hmm. conversations that leave. Like, if you're going to put the energy into a conversation mm-hmm. or into an interaction, you want to have, like, to have gotten something out of that and to mm-hmm. leave it a little bit better and, like, mm-hmm. I. Hey, I'm not just giving you my energy because I feel indebted to it, but, like, because this is genuinely mutually beneficial. Yeah. You know, and I think that's a big difference between, like, traditional neurotypical communication and neurodivergent communication, you know? It's mm-hmm. Get to the meat of it or let's let's yeah. just sit. Cool? Yeah, small talk feels <laughs> pretty disingenuous and... You know, you're going to ask me how I'm doing, and I'm going to say good, because that's what you're supposed to say, even though I'm not doing good, Mm -hmm. and then, you know, even if I did say I wasn't doing well, what are you going to say about that? It just Mm -hmm. feels very blah, but I think I spend a lot of time, I've been told by another close friend recently that, you know, because I felt weird about speaking up about something, and I I, I try not to unless it's really getting to a point, because I've spoken up in the past about stuff and inserted myself into situations that I didn't feel like were going 
right, mm-hmm. I guess, by my mm-hmm. by my judgment, which who, mm-hmm. who the hell am I? Um, but they said, you know, Brianna, you often say things that we have all been thinking, but nobody wanted to say. Mm-hmm. And I and I I just I tend to be such an observer. And I think that is, again, with the fear of being perceived and just the social anxiety, I'm. I'm a watcher and absorber and I'm collecting all of my information and my data and then I'm going to analyze it and then I'll have something to say Mm -hmm. after the fact. But um, there are introverts, there are extroverts, there are thinkers and doers, like, you know, everyone has different strengths and I think it's about finding um, a space that you can thrive in and that you can bring things to the table that are natural to you mm-hmm. um, obviously you still need to try to do things that that don't come naturally to you because that's out of your comfort zone is where a lot of growth can happen mm-hmm. um, but yeah I think it's actually like I'm very happy to be getting this live feedback from you guys about it <laughs> because it's something that um, I was pretty anxious to do overall because this is definitely out of my comfort zone mm-hmm. but at the basis of it at the foundation um, I really like the message that you guys have and what you're trying to do so if I can help in any way, I'm happy to do so. So I'm very excited to have the opportunity to to speak to everyone and bring something to the table that can be helpful to someone else. What do you kind of wish more people would understand, period, about neurodivergence, in your opinion? Um... At the foundation, at the very bottom, I really wish people would just take the time to understand. I think people get the surface level of some stuff um, and kind of run with it and don't really do any more digging on it. Um, I think that people need to understand that some are very, very good at masking and being able to quote unquote fit into these environments that they're uncomfortable in. because I've been in the presence of people that didn't really know what I had going on and had talked about it and, you know, thought they were amongst friends and, you know, just had not very nice things to say. And I just don't understand who that's serving. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're not somebody who has these struggles, then that's really great for you. I'm so happy for you. Um, but there are a lot of people who who do have these sensitivities and these struggles. And I, and I don't really think it costs much of anyone to just be a kind and decent human being, understand that our brains don't all work the same. We have different preferences. We have different ways of thinking, different ways of seeing things. Um, and that doesn't have to be a bad thing. Um, but the world is built for neurotypical people. So I wish that neurotypical people would be just more understanding that there's more hurdles, there's there's more problems that can arise, um, and things that they deem to be easy or no big deal can become quite difficult or challenging. Um, so I just, I really want people to have just more grace, more understanding, at, like, because there's a million different things I could say, but at the foundation, it's just caring about other people. You should care about people that aren't you. You should care about things that don't directly involve you. And it's free to just be a nice, considerate human. Just be a good person, damn it. Yeah, it's really, it doesn't have to be that hard. Um, And if you don't understand, ask. It's okay to not know. Mm -hmm. It's okay if you don't know, but you have to ask. But there's no reason to be hateful and rude. And, you know, there's a lot of good resources online that I've seen. And I don't know if you guys ever get bad comments or anything like that but I've seen in other people's videos just hate comments just about providing resources to the community and I just you know there's no reason for that there's no reason at all Hmm. amazing I just (laughs) I don't have anything to add you know so I I almost don't even want to do our rapid fire questions I was just about to ask you because I feel like it's a totally different mood Mm mm-hmm so in context, yeah, Rachel was super excited to like add like a little new add a little segment to the end of our shows. Yeah, because like, we don't ever know how to end things. That's not a strength of mine. Of and either of ours. I know. Also, oh, okay. we're Midwest people. Like, okay, I gotta we're go just now. Salute things, then, or we just yeah. like do the little French exit and we're just gone. So I'm like, hey, it'd be kind of nice if we had like a predictable ending. So maybe we'll try it. But here's the thing: I broke broke this on my hand and we now know what's on the inside and it is sticky as all get out oh so can i have to wash my hands and we'll be right back for yes. the rapid fire round <laughs> okay <laughs> hold on 
Pause. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, it's horrible, you guys. It's like liquid cement. Oh Dude. god, now we know. I'm gonna put it here. Ooh. Now it's time to get a new one. Yeah. It's time to get a new one that doesn't is hard on you. I was squeezing too hard apparently. It's trying to get it as soft as yours. I'm not sure I because even my mom's wasn't that hard. Yeah, I don't know what's wrong with mine. Yeah, I maybe you just got a dud. Yeah. Oh sweet. Yeah. Alright, I wrote a little script. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. So we're using this segment to bring awareness to some common life experiences of neurodivergent folks and for a bit of fun to close out our episodes. For this segment, we're going to have you answer quickly whatever first comes to mind. We don't want you to think, overthink, and keep thinking because we know it depends, but we only saved 30 seconds for this bit. Okay. Are you ready? Yeah. Okay. Socks or no socks? Socks. People pleasing or demand avoidance? People pleasing. Routine or no routine? No routine. Quiet or hyperverbal? Uh, hyperverbal. Done. Wow. Wow. That was less than like 10 seconds. I know. I got to add more questions next time. It was, was that like good. preferences for myself or just the first thing that came to mind? Mm. Yeah, that was the first thing. Okay. I, I was going to say, for we were talking about this while we were creating it, I was yeah. like, oh, but there's always that like, well, in this context. Yeah. Well, in this context. <laughs> Yeah, I just had to do a Myers-Briggs um, assessment thing for work and, like, do a whole, um, like, several-hour class thing where they talked about everyone's results, kind of. Uh-huh. And it was it was so hard to do that because it, it just varies so widely on mm-hmm. the day. And, like, they showed you a graph of, like, where you f- fell on each item in between, and I was, like, very close between the introvert-extrovert. Mm-hmm. And I was really struggling with that one because I have both tendencies. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, things vary so much, and... Um, I care for justice, but also there's a lot of gray areas. Mm-hmm. So, but the first thing that comes to mind, I think that's fun. I think that's a fun segment. Yeah. Okay, good. Do you want to share what your Myers Briggs was? It's all I just I love. Oh, it's Myers. the same one that I when I did it the first time when I was in high school, which was at least eleven years ago. God, um, ISFJ. ISFJ. Yeah. Um, okay. There wasn't that many at my company who. I think there was maybe three people who were that, and not everyone took it, but it was really interesting to see, you know, the, the types of people that everyone was, and, you know, things made a lot of sense, and just kind of seeing, it gave you, um, like, how to communicate and your strengths and, like, what you can work on. They broke it down into a couple different aspects, but actually, I know that there's, like, mixed reviews around that assessment mm-hmm. as a whole yeah. and how it's used and all of that, but I do think it's very interesting, and that's a way where I'm perceived in a way that it's because I answer the questions that way. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, just just interesting, and and things are always changing. You're a defender, mm-hmm. Obser- introverted, observant, feeling, and judging. What are you, Steph? INFP. Oh, INFP. I think I've taken it like three or four times, and I've always gotten INFP. The mediator. Oh, that's so real. <laughs> wow. Intu- um, introverted, intuitive, feeling, and prospecting. What's the prospecting part again? Like I over-perceive. Mm. Instead of like a quick judgment of things, I'm kind of like devil's advocate. I always yeah. say the Libra, us, yeah. we're, our birthdays are not that far apart. Yeah, two days. <laughs> so uh-huh. I always say I'm like the, oh, I'm never going to be the friend that um, will agree with you completely. Which is not everyone's favorite thing, but yeah, I mean, can you? I feel like I can always draw back a reason as to why someone said or did something. Like I can draw mm-hmm. way back, which is nice, but also frustrating because I'm like kind of making excuses in a way. Exactly. But mm. I wish I could grant myself the same grace. Mm-hmm. So I can draw things kind of back to like where it started, but I'm still like, but that still sucks. You shouldn't do that. Mm-hmm. Or you shouldn't be that yes. way. Mm-hmm. I got to think about myself as like. You know, treat yourself how you would talk to your best friend. Mm-hmm. I gotta do more of that. Mm-hmm. God, 
She drops another one on us. I know. She's she's perfect. Boom. I've been in therapy for so long. <laughs> I just gotta say. I've been in therapy, therapy for like nine great, years. This is a great advertisement for therapy. <laughs> no, it really is. Um, and I know like nine yourself. years sounds like a lot. She's got a lot of stuff to work through. Uh, but no, I think it's really helpful. And I know that some people are hesitant to try it. And I will say that it can be a process to find someone that you like. And it can, be, it can feel discouraging. Um, I ended up being pretty lucky in that this is the second therapist I ever saw in my entire life and I haven't gone to see anyone else. Um, he literally knows so much about me, like stuff that I can't even remember because my memory is not very good. Um, but it's, it's helpful to have that perspective of somebody who is impartial, somebody that has a background in the field that's able to provide new um, ways of thinking and, and tips and tricks to kind of help you work through some of this stuff. Um, it doesn't have to be forever, but I think that pretty much everyone could benefit to um, some stint of, of therapy at one point or another. Um, so if you haven't, consider it. Mm. Amen. <laughs> and on the opposite end, like I've gone through so many different therapists, and it's that sounds bad, like I'm, you know, I can't get along with people or whatever. But my struggle has always been I get to the point, I'm such a people pleaser. I want them to feel like they're doing a fantastic job and they've fixed me. So like if I'm on an upward trajectory and then I have a struggle as one does in mental health recovery, it's hard for me to be transparent about the struggle that I'm having because I have in the past perceived that as like, they're going to receive that as a wrongdoing or failure on their end, which, um, so that's a thing that I struggle with that I know others have shared with me as being a challenge. So I would say to that, one, I have more work to do, but also it's okay to switch therapists too. Mm -hmm. And like a therapist never wants you to stick with them if it's not working. Yes. Mm -hmm. Right? Absolutely. That's like the most, the most um, important, I guess, uh, facet to a successful like therapeutic recovery is the relationship and the rapport you have with your therapist. Mm -hmm. So that's a, such a beautiful thing that you have that. And if you don't, shop around, man. Yeah. Find it. It's okay yeah. to shop. Is that, yeah. yeah, that was going to be my next thing. Like, you can, you know, write down, you know, or maybe keep it in your brain if you're like that. I can't. I got to write it down. But write down or keep, keep a list of the things that are important to you and a therapist, you know. Um, obviously, them taking your insurance would be super cool. But yeah. beyond that, you know, if if you're someone that's part of the LGBTQ community, you want to have somebody that's on board with that because there are some people who are not, unfortunately. Um, there's different specialties in therapy, different styles of therapy that are meant to treat different things. Um, so just just keep in mind the things that are important to you and oh, it's okay. You can continue. <laughs> oh, keep, I'm sorry. Uh, keep in mind the things that are um, important to you and, 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 you know, discuss that with the potential therapist. And um, you might even be able to talk to them about it on the phone before actually having, like, your first appointment. But, you know, they don't want to... Neither of you would be benefited from having a relationship when you guys aren't having similar values and seeing eye to eye. So mm -hmm. it's definitely okay to shop around. And um, also don't take it too hard if you are seeing a therapist and they state that um, they want to recommend you to someone else. Um, that is not like to a fault of your own, but like there's different styles of therapy and they might not think you're making the progress that like with the stuff that they're doing um, and might have somebody better mm -hmm. suited to assist you. Mm -hmm. So um, all yeah. of that can be, you know, very not stressful but I can understand that being uncomfortable to go through but in the long run it is extremely beneficial and mm -hmm. you kind of owe it to yourself to to look at that and um, stick with it even if it if it gets a little uncomfortable so yeah yeah well Brie thank you so so much for coming and hanging out on Stephanie's couch and chatting with us today and I'm really glad that you're experiencing the joy that is the neato nice cube I... And I will tell you, squeezing the night the nice cube while taking a bite into the gummy bear is a sensory experience I want for you. <laughs> I'm not gonna. And imagine that you're biting the cube. Wow, you don't need to do it on camera. I'm gonna do but... it. I'm gonna do it at the end. When I'm well, done good thing the camera died. Yeah. Oh, so you guys it's, can not see it. a, it's not. It's um, <laughs> No, but I I am very grateful to to be here and to have this experience. Um, I'm very excited for what you guys are doing. I think that it's very important work and I think you two are well suited for it. 
Um, and I just feel lucky to be able to share my perspective and I hope that it does something for someone and if it doesn't I think it's at least done something for me I am out of my comfort zone and I was told nice things and it wasn't bad to be perceived today so all in all I think those are all wins so thank you guys so much and I really appreciate it and I hope that this podcast continues to have so many wonderful neurodivergent voices to to share Yay. Yay! Thanks for eating. Yes. Not to toot my own horn, but I have pretty good friends. Just like, oh, <laughs> holy wow. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Neurodivergent Voices. Interested in an interview? Email divergecs at gmail.com to get it scheduled.